Welcome to episode 216 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today's podcast is edition number 120 of Bubba and the Batflip. It will be Bubba and I's first trip, I guess second trip, um, but first in-season trip. Uh, looking at the waiver wire, we have uh, four to five games uh, under our belts so far this season. Um, and we've got uh, we've got two fab periods already. So it was an interesting fab period. We'll take a look at who were some of the primary additions that people were making, what our thoughts are on those players long term, uh, share a little bit about our own uh, fab ads and drops, and then we will go to listener questions. So thank you as always for listening. Uh, you can, uh, if you'd like to, uh, it would be great to get a rating or review on iTunes, your preferred podcast platform. Always appreciate that. Let's us get in front of uh, more and more listeners. So really appreciate that. All right, let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 120. Going to recap the week two NFBC fab as usual for the 12 team online drafts. Give you a little hint at the moves myself and Toby made as well, and much, much more as we are about five or six games into the 2022 fantasy baseball season, and everybody's in panic mode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, and my co host is always on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend? Uh, doing pretty well, Bubba. I don't know if you could hear that sneeze on. Um, uh, you did a great job of. of I did a great job muffling okay. that or whatever you did. Yes. Okay. I um I sneezed right as Bubba was starting the intro, so want to make sure that was all right. Um, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Um, yes. I I made a change last week in our in podcasting. Um, so when, when I was in Vegas, I got a little bit of a heads up. Um, shout out to. Uh, you just hit your cord. You're muted. Whatever tip you just got just didn't happen. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, now Can you're you good. Hear now you're Can you hear now me now? Good. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, this <laughs> right, right as you said tip. It was <laughs> okay, what do you got? And now you're frozen. Toby's having a great run over there. Whatever that tip is, folks, I can't wait to hear it. That's all I have to say. Toby's having a good time. Yeah, we're about to lose Toby. I have a feeling this is happening right now. So beware that Toby might be disappearing from your screen if you're watching the YouTube or the live feed as he is frozen. Frozen. There he is. He's back. Toby's back. Okay. What did you learn? This is like the best lead up to ever to learning something. Oh my God. Talk about talk about I sneeze, then my mic cut out, and then everything in between. No, I was in Vegas and um uh Gecko, um Mark um uh, Shrebro, who's a great, uh, fantasy player. He's won. I think he's won the most main event leagues of anybody. Um, he was, he had really nice things to say about the podcast. And he told me, he said, Toby, the only problem is all I can see is the mic. <laughs> I can't cause like, you know, before yeah. my, the mic was like covering my face. And so, 
you know, most podcasters would probably like go out and get a boom mic like you have, which, you know, um, makes your face readily apparent. I got a really puffy pillow and I put it under look, my I'm, seat, which like now lifts chair. me above the <laughs> microphone yep. and I'm good to go. You can see my face. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, Anyway, that that was the changing in my podcasting equipment that I went through recently. Was adding a puffy pillow to my chair so that I'm well. It um, looks it, every, it looks great. It's great to you. see your face. Thank so, you, thank you, and I shout out to it. to Mark for the for the kind words about the podcast and for getting me uh, going in the right direction. I'm glad I'm glad Gecko's a listener and he's becoming more active on the Twitter sphere. So it's been fun to watch. So sure. watch out when the legends get get going. You gotta. Pay attention, folks. That's for darn sure. And uh, what we're going to talk about, as usual, recapping the fab week two. Um, not as crazy as week one, of course, but we got the Josh Lowe's of the world and some other. Quan was available in some leagues, at least in some 12s. And um, maybe some fun fun transactions to talk about here. We're not going to really recap our teams right now. We'll recap our acquisitions, but it's only five or six games in. No need to panic on why we're in 12th place or not or whatever. So we'll give you maybe a first month update here pretty like when that comes around. We have a little bearing on what's going on. But let's start with it again. Online leagues, Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard added in 176 leagues. He was not the highest guy added this price-wise, but the most most added in 343 leagues or 176 leagues for $343, men of $5. Um, we saw what he did over the weekend. Looks pretty darn good. Monday, not so much. That is the Daniel Bard experience, but uh, looks like he's at least surpassed Colome for now. Uh, were you interested? I, I didn't put much in on Bard, but did were you interested in Bard this weekend? Yeah, I was interested in him in some places. I got him in one place in an, in an OC for I think like 35 bucks or something like that. So I wasn't, I wasn't going super high on the bids, but you know, uh, all you have to do is go back to, um, uh, well, I mean, I guess last year he had, he had 20 saves. It wasn't pretty, but he did put together a decent enough season in 2020. Um, he only had six saves, but he was, he was fine. Uh, the K minus walk rate is fine. There's nothing that stands out. He's in cores. The whip is a little high, but right now there's just such desperation for saves. I think you saw that in some of the bid amounts that people, put out there just just huge bids and while i certainly think he's the closer and he's pitching again right now i think he's already given up a home run uh two nights in a row with a home run um and they're not even in coors folks and they're not even in coors they're in a hitter friendly park yeah. um uh yeah i i just think saves are kind of key but at the same time unless a guy check checks a couple of boxes i'm not going to go that aggressive after him I think the highest bid I have for him in is a, it was in a league. Uh, I think I was at $53 or something like that. Um, so not too aggressive. You know, anybody who has saves is valuable right now, but I think he kind of comes with some pretty apparent warts. Yeah. Uh, baggage is a term I would use with Daniel Bard. Like you said, you get the saves. We've had the experience. That's why I call it the Daniel Bard experience. You will get the saves. You'll even get strikeouts. He's good at that. That's where Cole May, that's where even like when, Bud Black said earlier in the or late in the spring training that he, he might prefer a guy with strikeout upside closing. And so it kind of maybe tilted the spectrum away from Colome. Maybe not all the way to Bard, but he was more in the discussion at that point in time. And we saw it in the first weekend. And so that, that kind of showed its face. 
but it, it'll be rocky and it goes back to i think something that people are gonna get annoyed from hearing on my shows and especially this show when we recap fab every week like one of the biggest takeaways from doing the recap fabs with you last year is saves are an issue yes but cheap saves are available later because people spend all their money now so it's like remember that later on because like toby was the perfect example like scott jenstead many really great players you guys had like no saves for like a month or two and you still were able to battle your way back later on cheaper saves to at least get to like your overall finish in that league to like third or third place second place because of being able to battle back so you don't have to break the bank on guys like daniel bard who are somewhat questionable now if like a random Slovato opened up and you're like, okay, like say Kenley Jansen went down. Okay. Well now you go run to get Will Smith. That's a locked in spot. That's great. But there's like the Cubs who we'll talk about the twins, like all these teams where there seems like there might be a one, but there's not certainty that there's a one. So breaking the bank for that's going to be tricky or at least not comfortable. So that's just my biggest thing. That's why I wasn't really in on Bard very much. I was in on some other spec closers that I was willing to put a few bucks on. We'll talk about in a little bit, but I knew I wasn't going to get barred at those prices. It just it wasn't going to happen. All right. The man that is sweeping the nation uh, all over the place is Stephen Kwan of the Cleveland Guardians. He is uh, crushing baseballs and taking names. He is um, 10 for 24 to start the season. He went one for five today. He has seven walks to start the season. He has a 625 BABIP, a 267 ISO, a 667 average, 750 OBP. Um, he's got four ribbies and seven RBIs to top or seven runs and four RBIs to top things off. You know, the power speed is going to be suspect at times. I guess it's a nice way to put it, but I think he's a great ad, especially when we talk about batting average assets. Like that's something he's done his whole career in the minor leagues. And um, there's really no reason why the guardians won't play him now. Power and speed's rough. So like he's maybe a Michael Brantley meets uh, areas type guy, maybe somewhere in that realm. So I think he's still very fantasy relevant where some people had mixed reactions. What's your thoughts on Stephen Kwan? I was fortunate enough to get him in my places where I could get him last week for like 30 bucks. So I was very happy. Um, well, really, I'll mention though, 146 leagues, as high as 360, as low as $9. So what's your thoughts on Stephen Kwan? Yeah, I mean, he really reminds me of a, a young Vlad Jr., uh, <laughs> he's waiting for the no, power to develop <laughs> yeah i mean early season baseball is kind of funny right i mean so let's look at kwan's profile he's hitting 692 um you know with 19 plate appearances his BAPIP is 692 yeah. uh he's got you know he's got zero home runs he does have one caught stealing now he's got zero stolen bases uh four rbis seven runs I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, the, the plate skills are undeniable. Uh, o swing at 15%. You know, he hasn't missed every time he's swung, he's made contact with it. Yeah. So he clearly hasn't struck out. He's walks 26. He didn't strike out all spring training either. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic batting average profile, but it's super empty, you know? And I think, you know, even now, like with what he's done so far, rest of season projection, you know, the most home runs somebody has him for is Steamer, which we know is projecting prospect home runs at a much higher rate than the other systems are. And then the most steals he has are, is, I'm not going to count zips, no offense to zips, but I find that it's like kind of an outlier. Um, Steamer, uh, you know, six steals, the bat five, uh, the bat X six, 
you know, so you're talking about, I think Luis Arias is a pretty decent comparison for him. I think maybe a slight increase in power and a slight increase in speed, but I just don't think there's a ton there. And, uh, you know, the batting average is really, really nice and it's really, really critical. But if a guy's not providing you with speed and he's not providing you with power, and I mean, he's certainly providing you with a lot of, um, a lot of counting stats right now, but I wouldn't anticipate that necessarily um, moving forward. It just seems a little empty for me, especially for those huge bids. Like the bids you did last last week, three bucks, that's how you want to play it. You know, you want to get ahead of the hype and the hype is in full steam for a guy who has a 692 Babbitt, you know, and a Kevin Biggio, like 103 max exit So again, not to pour like cold water on it at all. Like there's a, it's a certainly an interesting profile, but I'm just not convinced, particularly against major league pitching that it's going to be a sustainably effective approach. Yeah, there will definitely be regression. There's no sugarcoating that. So we have to figure out what that regression is too. What's the mean? And and batting average is going to be the asset there. So that'll be much more intriguing. Like he honestly might be a better play in a 15-teamer than a 12-teamer, to be honest, just to give you that stability in a 15-team. But I'll still use him in my 12s. Don't get me wrong. The fact they moved him to second in the order right away, that was big to me because if he's just a batting average guy hitting eighth or ninth, now we're really in trouble. At least up top, he's going to probably get driven in by Jay Ram and company a lot more. So maybe he runs into like 90 runs scored and like, 65 to 70 rbis at least he's not the end of the world if he maybe he, he runs hot and gets you 10 and 10 then we're talking something really special but you're you're, you're talking probably a high-end finish which would be great so we'll see what happens i i, I agree 300 plus dollars on Quan was a bit nuts to me but uh to each their own we'll see how it pans out maybe he figures it out but when the reg- regression bug comes it's going to be fun to see how twitter explodes on that situation because uh, it will come there will be a slump at some point in time and it'll be all about him making the adjustment to uh, back to the big league pitching. So that'll be quite, quite interesting to see. Uh, next up on the docket here, Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves made a start last week and looked absolutely outstanding. I uh, picked up at 140 leagues, 153 max, two men. You know, he mixed up the pitch mix again compared to his season last year. It, it mimicked his postseason appearance, which was filthy. And so that's a positive potentially going forward. We'll see if that's a, a trend that stays or not. But, um, you know, one start so far made the hype train go in full gear for Kyle Wright. Were you going full gear for Kyle Wright? Um, I wasn't going full gear, but I was definitely interested. I put in a couple of bids for him, highest ones being in the low 50s, I think. I ended up getting him in, a, in an OC as well. Um, yeah, I think Kyle Wright's really interesting. You mentioned kind of the pitch mix change. Um, he's got a fastball velocity increase as well from last year. Um, it's back up to where it had been in previous seasons. Last year was down to 93.2, up to 94.3 here. I mean, when you just look at um, kind of all the things that you want to see, right? We're dealing with one start here, so we can't get too crazy. He has a 143 BABIP and 100% left on base percentage. But when I look at things like 15.8% swinging strike, he's generating whiffs. O swing in that first start. Again, he's getting chases on pitches outside the zone. You know, the in-zone contact slightly better than league average at 82.6%. So, you know, overall, like every box that he could check, um, he was checking. And so, and then there's the pitch mix change and the, and the velo increase as well. Um, He went to 41% of the time he was throwing that curve. 
So all of those things are the things that I want to see to really change how I feel about a player. I'm fortunate to have him in one, uh, one of my, um, uh, in one of my leagues. Um, I can't take credit for that. Um, shout out to Brian Slack for, um, being on to Kyle Wright early, but he does everything that you can kind of look for, I think in a player so far. And so for that reason, I was into him. What happens in the future? I don't know. He's also on the Braves. So it's a good situation. Yeah, it's a great situation to have. I am very excited to see how this next start goes because, like you mentioned, the fastball velo, the pitch mix changes we talked about, there's a lot to love there, a lot to love. So I'm really curious to see if he can maintain that because he was one of those, you know, it was not too long ago the, the Braves were heralded for having like three studs in the minors. It was like Freed, Kyle Wright, and uh, – Totally blanking on the third one because Ian Anderson, I think Ian Anderson right? and there's Bryce they Wilson too. Muller and yeah, Muller. Like they had a bunch of young arms, and like Freed was the only one that kind of was panning out for the most part. And then Ian Anderson kind of had his moments, but man, if they can throw Kyle Wright, because I think that was one of the things we talked about, and you know, it's been talked about a lot in the preseason. Was you know, you have Freed, you have Morton, and then who else you got? Like there was a lot of question marks in that rotation. Like to defend their the, the championship, you got to get some pitching. Maybe they had it the whole time. And we didn't know it. So uh, we'll wait and see. And maybe that's a great pickup for you. And some ways, I, can't, I think I might have got I know I put in bids for him. It was like 35 to 45 bucks, give or take. But can't remember if I grabbed him or not. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Josh Lowe. This was a big one. The big, big target of the week. Picked up in 124 leagues. As high as 433 as low as $93. So that says a lot when the men bid was 93 That tells you how aggressive people were being. And... Um, the, the big reason why he was available a lot is because for those that have not been sleeping under a rock, um, he was drafted in a lot of leagues, but then he was put to the minor leagues. So people dropped him. And then after fab took place, Austin Meadows was traded to the Detroit Tigers and back comes Josh Lowe. So uh, <laughs> Josh Lowe was a hot target this week. He has not gotten off to a great start after today's games. Two for 22 does have some walks though. That's his good, his big OBP skills. He is a stud in the minors. Power speed was legit in the minor leagues. So hopefully the Rays give him enough time to get his foot, his footing in the bigs, but we'll see. Cause there were some big bids out there. So how did you approach Josh Lowe this week? Yeah, he wasn't available in any of my um, bigger leagues, but in my OC, uh, I got him and in TGFBI, I got him as well for bids around like 170 bucks or so, um, which isn't necessarily typical, but I find that in, the O season in TGFBI, you don't need, you don't need to be as vigilant, um, over your fab dollars. Um, they tend towards the end of the year to go a lot further. So I, um, I got him for 173 and 175, I think. And in TGFBI, it was pretty close. I think it was like 175 to 168 or something like that. And the other one, it was 173 to like, 60 or 35 or something like you that. You gotta love those leagues, man. I know. No consistency. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think the I think the projections are pretty consistent in him, just in terms of the power and speed threat. The batting average is going to be a little bit of an issue. And on both of those teams, I feel like I think that uh, I went back and I looked at my spreadsheet for like what my projections had each team at, and average was a um I did have average as a, as a strong suit in both of those leagues. So I felt like I could go for it. He's just one of those guys early on in the season, you go after him. You don't know if it's going to work out or not. Just like you kind of pointed out, right? He's hitting really low. He's got a 222 BABIP or whatever. But if that happens for another week or two, then you might see him down in the minors. 
or he could be the next great thing. And there's no, I mean, sure. Sometimes there's a rhyme or reason to it, but it's just a matter of when he gets hot and what he can do initially to kind of earn that playing time. So I like the profile. It's a fairly unique profile to be able to um, get on the waiver wire at this point in the season. And though I kind of went for it where I could. Um, so understand where people were coming from then. I do think it's really challenging in a 15 team league where you have really competitive bidding throughout the year to spend a huge amount of your fab, even on a player like him that has the kind of skill and talent that he has. But, um, you know, sometimes you got to go after the, these guys and try to get them. Yeah, no, the, like, it, he's one of the few, and I talked about it uh, somewhere else, that he's at least got 20-20 potential, which you don't find every day on the waiver wire. So you can see it, like, obviously he's off to a slow start, but uh, all it takes is, like, three Stephen Kwan games, and he's back. So uh, we're, we're good there, and we'll see how it pans out, because I am very intrigued by this talent. And the fact that they're letting him play versus lefties and righties so far is pretty nice as well. So we'll keep an eye on, on how he progresses, and hopefully they keep – running him out there until he maybe completely falls apart or he gets it figured out. So let's hope it's one of the two because he does, like you said, the profile of the talent is pretty darn legit. All right, I want to put these next three together, Toby. So hear me out here, but it's the Minnesota situation. Tyler Duffy added in 83 leagues as high as 158 for as low as one. Johan Duran, um, uh, he was picked up in 77 leagues as high as 97, as low as one. And Jorge Alcala in 58 leagues as high as 115 and one. And now Alcala is on the DL or IL and don't sound good. So we'll have to pay attention to that one. But you have Duffy, you have Duran, you have Alcala. Again, Alcala is on the IL now, so that can almost be thrown out the window. But Duffy had a rough weekend. Duran has looked great, but Duran's a more the high leverage guy, it appears. So how do you look at this Minnesota situation? How did you approach it this week? Yeah, and I'm assuming Pagan's not on here because he was already – people already had him on his team. Let me see. He might have been uh, – <clears throat> no, he was added in 41 leagues, so not many okay. leagues, but as high as 57, as low as one. So I think okay, people, I see him right I think there. people figured with the big three, they left him alone, but now he's probably going to be popular this week. So Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Minnesota has kind of done this before. And so, you know, Duffy blew his opportunity – he came back, I think he pitched the ninth, but I think they were either tied or um, were were losing or something. I mean, Duran um, pitched with a four-run lead last time in the ninth. Alcala was the only one that like didn't make that sense to me. I know people have been really in love with his skills as a bullpen arm, but his usage this year, he's like the one guy that really hasn't even pitched in the eighth or the ninth inning. Um, so again, it doesn't mean that they couldn't have switched it up and had him be closing it out, but it just seems like a little bit of a crapshoot and it will probably stay that way. I don't know if they have a reason to go with one guy, um, consistently. Um, you know, Duran is obviously really exciting because he's been really good, but it's also so early in the season. So it's hard to say. So he's looked really good, but then I was looking at his outing yesterday and he had zero whiffs on 11 pitches. So he got out of the inning, but you know, he wasn't really like tricking. That's anybody. not closer stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's just one, it's just one outing, right? Like we're, yeah. we're just trying to gather as much information as we can, but this is all to say, like, I just, I wasn't really, I think I had Duffy at the top, um, kind of hoping that I could get a lower bid. And then because he blew the save that people wouldn't be as in on him. Um, but he was behind a few other guys and you probably shouldn't listen to me. I mean, I got Hansel Robles everywhere and, 
30 minutes after I got him to uh, Jake Diekman came in and struck out the side. So uh, I don't know if I'm the best person to follow on closer speculations, but of all these guys, I mean, at this point I'd probably lean towards Pagan out of all of them actually, but I just think, I don't think there's going to be a consistent guy who gets those saves at this point. That's the biggest thing is there won't be a consistent guy. I get, it seems like Duran, they want him to be like their Paul Seawold. It's like, we're going to, you might get a few saves, but we also wouldn't mind you pitching one or two high leverage Indians. Like that's what they want to roll out with him because he's that arm and that's the way baseball works. It makes sense. And Baldelli doesn't care about your saves. We've established that many times over. So he'll get his, but he's also going to not have, he'll have weeks with probably none, maybe a win or two though. You never know. Like he's going to have some interesting weeks that might make him viable in deeper formats. Um, but I like the Pagan call and it's kind of like when we talked about the Padres a few weeks back there, their iffy situation, and we did before, you know, the trade and everything. I thought Pagan was kind of one worth throwing some darts on because he's got the experience. He's done it before. He's got over 20 saves in a season. He's a veteran. This is a team that, you know, they went in, they went all in for them for twins senses of going all in. But, you know, if they stumble and they're sellers at the deadline, they want him to be worth selling. So there's like, there's a lot of incentives to, behind all that. But I think Pagan's interesting, especially if you want to get him cheap, like you said. And I, I wouldn't give up on Duffy just yet just because he will get some more chances. But I think Pagan is quite interesting in that scenario. The experience that he brings to the table could be fun for a, for a cheap price. That's what speculating is all about, getting those cheapies. And I think he can do that. All right, uh, fun one for us here. Tony Santillian of the Cincinnati Reds picked up an 82 leagues as high as 210, as low as one. The 210 bid shocked me a bit. Like I don't, I didn't mind people going after him. I think I got him in a league or two, and I had him in a bunch of DCs. But um, he's an interesting one. Like tonight or today in their game through an inning, shut out inning three, faced three batters, one strikeout. It was a high leverage inning. He did not pitch the ninth, but he's got a save on the year. He's three and a third innings, 11 batters faced, one hit, four strikeouts. He's looked really, really good. And he's another guy. He might be more the high leverage arm in that bullpen. Or you got Art Warren, who um, was already on a lot of leagues. He was added in seven leagues this past week for as high as 79, as low as 30, because he was a lot of places. So this could be similar to what we just talked about. It feels like it might be Warren's job, but Santillian in the high leverage role will sneak a save or two. What's your thoughts on uh, what? how'd you approach it this weekend, and what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, he was on my conditional list, but he was low down as well. I mean, really, like with these closer speculations, it's almost worth it more to speculate on a guy that you think is like, 20% likely to be the closer, but we'll get that gig full time than it is to go with a guy you think is 50% the closer, but is pretty clearly a part of a committee. And that's what it seems like. You know, you mentioned he got the save in the first game. Um, Warren got the second save today. I think Centillion pitched the sixth or the fifth. And then Warren came in right after him in either the sixth or the seventh. So they weren't even in the two highest leverage. Now, Hunter Strickland also gave up four runs, and then whoever followed him also gave up three runs, I think, or something like that. So maybe they get back there, and they're kind of the eighth, ninth combo. And when you only have those two guys you're worried about, it's at least a slightly better situation. But I had him lower down on my conditional bid list. Um, a fine pitcher, but not just, again, not in a situation with Lucas Sims coming back too. Like, we don't know how that's going to impact things. So just trying to steer a little bit clear of these committees and go after somebody who might be able to take over the role full time. 
Yeah, Warren pitched the seventh. Santillian pitched the eighth. Strickland came in the ninth, gave up four runs in a third of an inning. Duarte came in after that, gave up two more runs in two thirds of an inning. So I don't even know who Duarte is, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's not not good is the bottom line there in Cincinnati. But yeah, Santillian and Warren seem to be the two that I'd roll with. But yeah, another, another messy situation, as Toby said. Now let's keep on this mess going. David Robertson. Added in 80 leagues, as high as 386, as low as 43. Let's see if we have any others. Givens was added in one league, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. But the main ad was David Robertson coming in uh, at some high dollars here. And we saw him get the save on opening day. That was a big one for David Robertson. Kind of got the, the hype train rolling. And uh, he got another save today. So he's got two saves so far this year, three shutout innings, only two strikeouts. But... He's getting you the saves for the Cubbies, and um, it seems to be his job for now. So how did you approach David Robertson? Because I know I got at least one share over the weekend. Yeah, he wasn't available in any of my leagues. Yeah, I don't he think. wasn't available in all mine either, that's for sure. Yeah, so he was available in a dynasty league that I'm in, but I already have a couple closers, and it's a top 20, 20 team, so I wasn't that aggressive. Um yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. Um, he looks like he's the guy. The initial skills are pretty subpar, but you know, we'll see what ends up uh, what ends up happening with him. Um, yeah, I mean, just like you know, his he's his O swing right now. And again, we're talking two innings, so it's super small. But just in terms of like how they're doing it. 12.5% O swing. Um, you know, the, the swinging strike rate is 9.7%. So he's not making guys miss. Um, he's not getting pitches on, uh, he's not getting hitters to swing on pitches outside the zone. It's really early. That could change dramatically. He's two for two and save opportunities. And so that's what really matters. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll see, but uh, definitely a guy like where it looks like he could potentially kind of run away with it if he gets enough a few more saves here in a row. Um, and that'll be a huge pickup for, for anybody, um, regardless of how those saves happen. Yeah. He's the one I wanted the most out of potential closers this week. Uh, just cause I think he can at least run with it until the trade deadline. So uh, I am very intrigued with David Robertson. We'll see how it actually pans out when all things are said and done. Uh, Merrill Kelly of the D backs picked up in 73 leagues as high as 185, as low as one, uh, great opening day or his opening appearance, his first start, Four shutout innings, four hits, two walks, seven Ks. The velo was up. The pitch mix was different. Like there was a lot of optimism on Merrill Kelly. Showed some signs in them spring training and carried it over in this first start against the uh, against the Padres here, which was quite surprising given the Padres' offense is not the world beater we expected in recent days, as the Giants and the D-backs have shown you. But um, still, some respectable bats there. And in the end, Kelly got the job done. So where are you at on uh, Merrill Kelly? Yeah, really interested in him. He's not available in any of my 15-teamers, I don't think. Um, maybe TGFBI, maybe TGFBI, but I think I went Kyle Wright over him. Um, but again, he checks off all the boxes that you want to see. He has a, a nice bump in velo up to 92.9 um, in his first start from 91.7 last year and a career high of 92.2 in 2020. So he's almost a full tick higher in terms of fastball velocity this early in the season um, already. And so that's going to make his his stuff play up better than it has um, in the past. He went to his changeup more often. Again, it's just one game, so it's hard to tell like really concrete um, pitch change patterns. But 
um, you know, that's, that's at least something. And then you look at kind of how he did it 40.5% O swing. So he was getting chases on pitches outside the zone. He was not fooling people in the zone, 94, seven in zone contact. So he's definitely not dominating in the zone swinging strike rate at 12%. Um, so again, like some positives, you know, some, um, some things where he, he needs to make a little bit of progress, but the velocity bump, a little bit of a pitch mix change is definitely enough to have me interested in deeper leagues. I don't think, I mean, in 12 teamers, I still think he's kind of a streaming guy based on matchups. Yeah. That's kind of where I was like, you know, in 15th, as you said, any guy with a pretty solid pulse was worth at least, you know, keeping an eye on or speculating on, but uh, those 12 teamers, I'm sitting there going, like I was dropping Mad Bum in leagues, and that's like because I like Mad Bum quite a bit, but he's not even a lock for me in a twelve-team league right now. So Merrill Kelly was tough for me to be like, yeah, let's go all in on Merrill Kelly. That was it was it was a tough one. Like I get the appeal, I like what I saw, but I've also done the Merrill Kelly dance a couple other times, and I need to, I personally maybe I'm just scarred and have some biases, but I'd like to see a little more than four innings out of Merrill Kelly against the Padres. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, it'd be great if he pulls it off because he's still available in a decent amount of leagues if he's only added in 70-something leagues. So you might have to pay more for him now, but at least you'll have a better idea of maybe what you can uh, have in store. I, I uh, would the, pay to see yeah. the Merrill Kelly dance for sure. Well, if he if he pitches well again, I might have to make one for the next oh, show. Oh, man. Let's just, let's just put it that way. And, okay, and it won't be let's the do it. Shuffle. It won't ne- be the truffle next, shuffle. Next Tuesday, late. It's yeah, the Merrill Kelly night, dance. After dark, Merrill Kelly dance. So <laughs> come check it out. But uh, Kyle Gibson, the gardener himself, uh, 72 leagues, as high as 225. It's a bit much, people. Just get throw it out there. Is Kyle Gibson still? Let's take a step back from your, your bidding buttons there. But he was great. Seven shutout innings, 10 Ks against the, the A's, which I'm going to say two things. Yes, the A's are great to pick on because they've been bad, but the A's are putting up runs. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, they've been so. putting up runs. Like they have a. Like, before the season started, we looked at their their roster and like, okay, Seth Brown can hit bombs, Pender. Like you could point to like four or five guys where you wouldn't be shocked if they went deep in a game, and they're doing it right now. But they're also gonna have tons of games where they have seven shutout innings with ten Ks to guys like Kyle Gibson. So that's the appeal. But um, what were you in for him for two hundred twenty five dollars? <laughs> he he was not available. I think he may have been available in twelves, but I I've I've seen the Kyle Gibson dance before, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. You know, it always goes south eventually, but you know, it was definitely a really good start. I mean, you can't, you can't, you know, mess around with that. He was getting chases on pitches outside the zone, 36% O swing. You know, he was getting swings and misses on pitches inside the zone, 75% Z contact swing strike rate was at 19.5%. I mean, that's fantastic. He struck out 45.5% of the batters that he faced. Um, so again, he was really, really good and there's no kind of denying that, but I think we've seen on his day that Gibson can be that good. Um, I think the challenge is getting that consistency and he's just so prone to huge blowups, um, because of, um, you know, at least throughout his career propensity for home runs, but also decent number of walks. Um, you know, so so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, but it was certainly a really good start to the season for him. Yeah, he's another guy. It's like, okay, I'd rather have him over Merrill Kelly. I'll say that much. But it, there's a lot of like streaming options with them as well. It's like I, I wouldn't be comfortable putting 
putting him out there every start. Let's put it that way with Kyle Gibson. And that that's where it's tricky. If you're spending that kind of cash, he's almost like you got to plug him in type situation. So we'll see how that pans out. Uh, the next guy, though, I did have some bids in on. And um, Connor Joe. Connor Joe added in 57 leagues as high as 139, as low as a dollar. The reason I started adding bids is over the four game or the three games over the weekend, played in every game. He let off on that Sunday game, DHing. On Monday, he let off and DH'd, and he let off again on Tuesday. They're playing him every day right now, which is big. He's going to have a lot of positional flexibility. Uh, he had a double and two more walks today. He now has He's now 6-for-24 on the season, hitting 316, double two home runs, seven runs scored, four walks. So he's getting on base, scoring runs, top of the order. We saw this with Connor Joe last year. When given the opportunity, he can be very productive. It's just a matter of the question marks we had this year was when and how often will he play with the moves the Rockies were making? There was a lot of curiosity there. Well, they're picking up where they left off last year, especially after the Tapia trade. And um, to me, that was enough for me to be like, okay, I'll roll the dice on Connor Joe for now. I'm not going to break the bank. That's not what I do. And we've discussed this. Me and you rarely ever break the bank. But I wanted some Connor Joe because I believed in what we could get with him. Yeah, I mean, he's he was really solid last last year um, during the time that he was up. And I know there was a lot of really smart people who were on Connor Joe. And kudos to them. I mean, if you keep some playing every single day and hitting in the leadoff spot for a decent uh, chunk of that, he's going to be a really, really valuable guy. You know, he's had great play discipline, you know, throughout his brief career in the majors, but it's a really nice, you know, O swing. He's making a ton of contact this year and he's consistently made contact throughout his major career as well. Um, the batted ball quality is also decent, you know, 9.9% barrel rate last year. This year he's got two barrels already. So again, super small sample, but um, doing everything that he should and could and has an opportunity to play every day and potentially hit um, frequently at the top of that lineup. And that's a really valuable guy to have right there. And there's just things I've noted, like Garrett Hampson didn't play against the lefty yesterday. Like he's just relegated to somewhere. Um, so it looks like they're going with him and he could be incredibly valuable for sure. Yeah. They give me That's a great point of the Hampson train. Cause I know like a lot of people were thinking, okay, you know, stories out of town and all these things like it's freeing up the spots for all these young guys we've wanted to see forever. And now it's like, okay, we got Connor Joe. So that's good. But um, I, I am I'm happy to see him up there. I'm hoping it keeps going. It'll be a uh, it'll be fun to see if um, like when we look back on this was bidding on Connor Joe, Stephen Kwan, Josh Lowe, which was the better option? Like, mm. it, it, like and I know it's I'm trying to do it now before it's a hindsight question because mm -hmm. it's a fun debate because I think we can kind of we've seen enough of Connor Joe in my opinion that if he plays. You can probably pencil 10 to 15 home runs. He won't still get a ton of bags, but he's going to be pretty productive in like four categories. Not great, but productive in four categories, I'd say. Where Stephen Kwan, is he going to steal and hit power? Question. Josh Lowe is even, if he keeps slumping, is he getting sent down? Like it's going to be a fun conversation piece to have. And again, I, I hope Lowe and Kwan play great, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it all pans out when it's all said and done. But I'm a big, big fan of this uh, Connor Joe revolution. All right, one of your boys, Brad Miller. I remember we talked about him a lot last year. Oh, Brad I Miller. I think we even talked about him uh, in some DC talks and everything this year. But when the Rangers grabbed him, it was kind of like, okay, well, he know he can mash righties. That's good. Well, they've been leading him off every game versus righties. And he let off again tonight, went 0 for 5 tonight. But he's already got two homers this year. That's he's sad. Getting, 
he's getting the job done early on here. And uh, he was added in 52, 12 team leagues, as high as $57, probably more of a 15 team player potentially, but does have that 12 team upside with Brad Miller. And if you see a week where he's going to face a handful of righties, at least in the first half or the second half of the series, he will have some value to you. So what's your thoughts on Brad Miller? Yeah, I mean, he's really, especially in deeper leagues, like 15 teamers, uh, really valuable. I think that leadoff spot against righties, you know, that helps, you know, if you have a week where you've got four games and he's got three righties coming up, you know, hitting the top of that lineup, you know, that gets you the plate appearances where you feel a little bit more confident in having him in the lineup there. So I think that's really nice. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's got good plate discipline. The contact skills are questionable, but... Nobody really doubts the quality of contact. I mean, what does he have? In the last, like, three seasons, he's got 700 plate appearances about, slightly more than 700 plate appearances, and he's got 40 home runs in that time. So, I mean, he hits 500, 450 plate appearances. You're definitely getting, you know, 20-plus home run pop, hitting at the top of that lineup that's going to score some runs. He's got a nice little OBP. Um, as well, you know, solid plate discipline. So he's going to get on base again. The average isn't going to help you. He'll steal a handful of bases. Um, he'll hit for pop. The runs could be really nice there at the top of the lineup. So that seems like a really potentially valuable guy with dual position eligibility at first base and outfield this year. So I, I like it a lot. I don't really have him many places. I don't think I have him in uh, tout wars and OBP league, um, on, on my bench or in my lineup, I think this, this week, but so there's there's some uh, there's some nice stuff there with uh, Brad Miller. He's getting the best shot that he's gotten in a long time, and we'll see what he's able to do with it. And to be fair to the Stephen Kwan and Josh Lowe fans, I'll be polite. Yeah. It'll be fun to compare Miller and Connor Joe at the end of the season because if Miller can hit 20 homers, I think their runs and RBIs could be similar. Joe might get him in the batting average a bit where Miller gets him in the power. I think that's a fair one as well. The other thing with, with Miller, you mentioned first base outfield. They're playing him at third base also. Like, he might get third base for you too, which is a big, big plus right now. So that'd be something to monitor. I know he he pinch hit and played third base yesterday, and I'm not sure where he started at today. But, like, on DraftKings, he's third base outfield eligible already. So, But their eligibility is weird, so don't follow theirs. But he, that just means he's playing there. So something to monitor for sure. Um, anyone else that stood out to you as a, a potential ad, like Carlos Hernandez had two starts, first start not so good. Adrian Hauser had two starts. Uh, let me get your thoughts. Nick Martinez looked outstanding in his first start there against the Gigantes. Like I recommended him in D kicks, he's like $5,700. Like it was awesome price. I knew that the fastball, the, the strikeout upside was there, and he did not disappoint. So, what's your thoughts on Nick Martinez? Because he was added in uh 47 leagues for as high as $68. He's going to be probably added everywhere else this week. So where where are you looking at Nick Martinez? Yeah, I mean, he pretty much did everything that he could do. 36% O-swing, getting chases on pitches outside the zone, in the in the, in the the zone, you know, right around league average, which isn't necessarily surprising because his velo is 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 low. Uh, swinging strike rate, 14.5%. You know, didn't walk guys because of that O-swing probably. So... We'll see. I mean, the projections don't love him moving forward, but they're also factoring in probably, you know, a lot of his previous work in the majors, which is a long time ago. And then I'm sure they also hopefully integrate some of them. His time, I think he was in Japan previously. So he looks fine. I mean, if you're going to go after a guy, um, sure. Uh, why not try him? But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the he, he popped. 
you know, from, from a lot of respects, not the fastball velocity, but Merrill Kelly doesn't have fastball velocity either, really. So um, an intriguing, an intriguing guy. Yeah, I'm looking. I know Enos. Uh, here it is. Okay. Enos Harris tweeted it out because I know people were like hitting him up on Twitter like, hey, what's the stuff numbers and everything from Nick Martinez because it was a curiosity question. He's And this is his tweet. Uh, Nick Martinez lit up stat cast with the vertical movement on his cutter, four-seamer, and changeup on Monday. That Vulcan change is impressive looking, but pitching plus wasn't as into it. 96 stuff plus on the fastball. 93 on the change, 92.5 stuff plus overall. So the stuff ratings, which if you believe or don't believe, have been proven to be pretty effective in the long run, especially I think at early samples, it's actually pretty darn good if we're trying to make adjustments. It um, wasn't like super down on Nick Martinez, but it wasn't over the moon like it is on some other guys. Like Matt Brash will probably pop like crazy with the sliders and stuff where um, Nick Martinez wasn't overwhelming to the stuff plus. And again, I don't make the metrics. I don't know all the fancy details. Just reporting what I read, and it's just something to monitor. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this next time out and seeing how Eno's numbers change because he looked really, really good. So I, I am curious to see how it pans out because I know I'll be bidding on him this week unless something goes totally wrong in his last start, but uh, he'll be worth a flyer for me as well. All right, uh, who were some of your uh, your ads this week? Let's talk a little ad drops for us this week. <sighs> little ad drops. All right, let me get myself situated here. Um so for my leagues, as I mentioned before, I got a lot of Hansel Robles only to find very quickly that that was not going to work out. I also, my hitting streaming has worked out really well so far. I got streamed uh, jerks in profile last week, uh, got Chad Pinder in, in, um, uh, in a couple leagues, um, in my, um, my big auction, I got him this week. So he's already got a home run. And then he had two RBI double this week. Um, in the next league, I got next league, I got Chad Pinder and Hansel Robles um, as well. And so you're noticing a lot of consistency in terms of who I got. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, we're all going to bid on the same guys. That's one of the beauties of this thing. So definitely. Yeah. And then I got Hansel Robles again. And my bids were for eight bucks. Um, every single one of them was for $8 because believe it or not, I remember things like this. At least I think I remember things like that. If you were to go back and check, I'd probably be wrong. But when I got Hansel Robles in 2019, I think when 2019, when he came out of nowhere to get all those saves for the angels and was just absolutely dominant, um, I got him on an $8 bid when everybody else was going for Ty Buttry. So I was trying to go with the kind of lucky number eight on the bids, but it proved to be um, not very helpful. Hansel Robles, um, I added, oh, I should say who I dropped. I dropped Rowan Wick, added Miguel Rojas, dropped Hector Neris. Um, and then in my OC, OC is where I, uh, or actually it was TGFBI, but in my OC, I got Josh Lowe, um, dropped Keston Hira, Bid 173, runner-up 56. So wasted a little bit of money, but I know he went for much higher in some leagues, and that's just how OCs kind of work for you sometimes. And then I picked up Kyle Wright and dropped Hector Neris at 24 bucks um, with a backup of 21. And then in TGFBI, I got Josh Lowe for 177, runner-up of 165. Got Daniel Bard, 47, runner-up of 37. 
And then Kyle Wright got him for 37 back a bit of 13. I dropped Garrett Hampson, AJ Puck, and Matt Bush. And then last league, I added Chad Pinder and dropped Garrett Hampson. So those were kind of my ads and drops. Not a lot of targeting of um, of hitters, really. It was just a matter of need and having the bench spots that I needed. And then a lot of Hansel Robles and a couple of the higher dollar guys in some of my less leagues with less competitive fab, I think. Yeah, we have we have some similar ads. The drops were tough for me this week, I'll be honest. And I didn't drop these same. I kept some of these players in other leagues, depending on how my team looks. So I'll be very clear on that because I didn't like having to drop some of these guys, but that's the world of 12 team leagues. But uh, in one league, I added Chad Pinder, dropped Rafael Ortega. And I like Ortega, but they're already platooning him. So I was like, I need to, to try to do something else on a 12 teamer. We'll see if that comes back to haunt. In that same league, and I, this is a common one, I uh, added Michael Walker for his two starts anywhere I didn't draft him basically already. And I dropped Corey Kluber, which is going to be one I might regret as well. But uh, I wanted the two starts from Waka, so we'll see how that one pans out. Um, I added Diego Castillo. In a different league, I added, in TGFBI, I added Diego Castillo from Seattle. Tried to give him a run at only $14. Dropped Tony Gonsolin. Again, a cheap um, closer spec in that situation. So I got some Diego Castillo there. Uh, do, do, do. I added Justin Steele, dropped Kyle Finnegan, as it appears Rainey is the dude there. So that's one that I, I have Rainey. I had them both on the team. So I dropped Finnegan, grabbed Steele, because Steele's got two starts next week. So I had him for 11 bucks this week. And then I got Trad Pinder and dropped Tyrone Taylor. So another Pinder bad uh, bid. Another 12-teamer got uh, David Robertson for $47 with a runner-up bid of $47 by dropping Kyle Finnegan. So nice. that was fun. Yeah, that was the, the old unicorn right there. Uh, in barf, dun, 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 dun. Uh, this one not so good. Added Daniel Lynch, dropped Didi Gregorius. Lynch got shelled today. Um, then I added Zach Thompson, dropped Raver San Martin, and then Zach Thompson proceeded to believe get suspended. So that was a fun league. Oh, fun Zach league Thompson got suspended, or maybe it was a different Thompson. I know Thompson got suspended for three games for throwing at someone. <laughs> so, oh, okay. okay, yeah, it wasn't like a hardcore, hardcore because at first all I saw was suspension too. I'm like, what the hell? And then it was three games for throwing at someone because Ross got suspended too. I so. think Zach Thompson got a start bumped because they got the game postponed against St. Louis. I think Maybe he was supposed to get two starts, and I think he's only getting yeah. one now. So it, it, it backfired on me royally. But in uh, one of my OCs, got Michael Walker, dropped Dane Dunning. So we'll see. Like, I'm a big Dane Dunning fan, but t- got to go in the moment. Got to go in the moment. I keep telling myself. But this is what I kind of liked. Um, I, I liked the power on my team. I got Drio Yershilla for eight bucks to drop Kyle Finnegan, and Yershilla's batting cleanup right mm. now. He's being very productive. Like, do I expect it to go all year? But he could be a 15 to 20 home run dude with a decent average in the middle of that twins lineup. That could be sneaky RBI runs type production. So not in love with him, but for eight bucks, like he was like my fifth bid for dropping Finnegan on that one. Like Josh Lowe and other guys were there. I'll take my chances in that one for sure. Uh, another league added Michael Walker, dropped Dane Dunny, uh, added Diego Castillo for nine bucks, dropped Tony Kemp. Uh, that was fun. So you're seeing similarities here. Uh, added Carlos Hernandez, dropped Rowan Wick. I love Carlos Hernandez too. So that was a bummer. He just couldn't get the strikeouts and the walks added up to him. Added Michael Walker, dropped Cole Sulcer. Added Diego Castillo. Man, you got some leagues, Bubba. Yeah, added Diego Castillo, dropped Kyle Finnegan. This is what I felt like listening to you last year. <laughs> Adding Seth Brown. <laughs> We've dropped, switched places. We've Tony switched Kemp, places. Another OC, uh, added Seth Brown, added Michael Walker, added Tony Santillian. Uh, I'll, I'll speed through these last one. I got 
No, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. This one, uh, Satellite League, added Kyle Wright for $16. I was pretty mm-hmm. happy with nice. that. Uh, added Michael Walker. So you're seeing trends. And then my last two OCs here. Um, added Connor Joe for $31. Dropped Tyler Wade. I was pretty pumped on that one for $31. Um, we'll see how that pans out, but it's worth it to me. And then my last OC, I grabbed Kyle Hendricks for $31. And drop and drop Nick mm. Senzel, which could be risky, but I figure take that. I think Hendricks is two starts next week, so take my chances on that for thirty-one bucks now and see if he's because if he is legit, like we saw in the first start, that's a amazing thirty-one bucks. If he's bad, it's just thirty-one bucks, and I move on. So it's just one of those. He could be very expensive in a week if things go the wrong way. So kind of jumped on that one early because that league I drafted like the night before the season and knock on wood, there's no injuries. Like everyone was picked up before. Like, so fab wasn't as productive in that league uh, going into it. All right. Got some listener questions. We'll head on out of here. The first question comes from our chat from Mr. Pitcher list himself. Who is your favorite late round starting pitcher coming through Lazardo, Nick Martinez, Brash, Tyler, Tyler McGill, uh, Merrill Kelly, Cobb, Wood. There's so many to choose from because all the, Early draft picks are not coming through. So uh, who's your favorite late round starting pitcher that's coming through? I mean, it's hard to go with somebody other than Tyler McGill at this point. Um, I think the key for me is players that have velocity increases. And pretty much all those guys check the box. I mean, um, Ty Lord does, Lazardo does, Kelly does, Cobb does, Wood does. I mean, was it 95 tonight? It was yeah. at 95 tonight. I mean, both, uh, like, that's the key. And so the one thing that I'd say is, like, late round starting pitchers, I mean, Cobb was going around pick. Cobb and Wood were going between, like, pick 150 and 170 by the time drafts were closing down. McGill was kind of in the lower 200s. Um, Brash was in the lower 200s as well. Lazardo was there as well. So... They're not like super late round um, starting pitchers. One guy that I was who didn't pitch well today, but I'm excited about is Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer was yeah. his velo was up. Like, well, did you see the sequence where it all went south? Yeah, it was catch interference, right? Yeah, something like that. Then like a hit batter, a walk, and then the grand slam to Mullins. Like he had two outs yeah. on him. Like it was he was so close to just keeping the cruise cruise control and- going. And with that catcher interference, why is it just one unearned run? And why isn't every run that happens after that an unearned run? That's what I want to know, people. Get my ERA down for uh, for Lauer. But, excuse me. Bless you. Um, for me, that's the key, is like the guys that are taking that big step are the guys that have those velo bumps. And we've seen it every single year, right? Robbie Ray last year, velo bump, makes that huge jump. Uh, Giolito, um, three years ago, makes that big bump. Before that, it was Blake Snell, you know, goes up one and a half to two miles per hour, makes that big jump. So it's just a matter of like who that guy is going to be. And we've got a lot of candidates this year. Um, so they're all, they're all great. I would probably go with those kind of Ty Lord, Cobb, Wood, Lazardo for right now. Um, but it's going to be, there's a lot of really good pitchers. So it yeah, be fun. and it goes, it goes back to why, like the whole time, I kept saying it's so hard to take early pitching because there's so many I like later. And the reason we take early is because knock on wood stability by season's end, it should be much more stable. Like we've discussed this a million times, but it's like especially in twelves when I was doing those OCs and I made a point like my last one, I'm taking one ace and then I was I waited, 
I waited and and then I took a bunch like I have McGill, I have Wood, I have Cobb, I have like all these dudes. I'm in first place so far after six days. We'll see how long it lasts. Not overall, not overall, let me clarify. But uh it's just one of those like, yeah, it panned out for the first time through the rotation. We'll see how it keeps going. But there were just so many pitchers in the middle. You're just like there, there, there's so much upside here. I'm with you. I think McGill's the guy. We've seen it for two two times through the rotation now, which is big. Um, I think we'll get it from Wood, especially and Cobb as well. Like we've seen it with Wood last year. He was that good also, and he was filthy his first time out, but they're all phenomenal. It's hard to go really wrong right now, that's for sure. All right, our buddy Ben Tid, breaking Ben underscore T. Who would you target for saves on the tw- let's go one by one? Who would you target for saves on the twins? Probably Pagan. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think that's the way to go. I think uh, Duran's more your high leverage arm. Um, Orioles. Jorge Lopez. Yeah, that's who it appears. Like they, I think they want to get a stock up type deal. Uh, Rangers. I think it's Joe Barlow. I think it still is Joe Barlow. He just didn't have any chances really early in the first weekend. No, that's he didn't. all it was. Uh, and the Rockies. But what's what's weird is all the lies. Bubba, yeah. can we talk about the lies? Oh, don't get me started. People Gabe are Kapler. spreading Gab, Gabe like Kapler? Gabe Kapler on Jake McGee. Uh, Every the day, it's a in St. Louis. Every day, it's the, different. In Joe Barlow is not our closer. Like, oh, who, who can we trust? Who can we trust? I don't know. Us, uh, us. Yes, we trust each We're other. We're the voice of reason exactly. in an otherwise in a murky, murky water of fantasy baseball. Just a bunch of lies for sure. And then Rockies, I guess, is Daniel Bard for now, right? Yeah, he got he got the save. I actually want to take it back. He did not give up. I was looking at the long no, he, he line. Pitched well. He pitched he well. He pitched well. Yeah. yeah, he did not give up a home run. I was looking at the season line on the Fangraphs profile. It's like today, and then it has the full season. And I was I was confused. So he pitched well today. Um, again, I wouldn't have minded getting him because I think there could be saves there for sure. For sure. Uh, Charlie's at C H four R L E Y S S. Are we panicking on Badu? I know it's early, but he's hitting in the seventh or ninth spot in the order, striking out 50% of the time. Um, it's not looking good so far for Badu, but the bright side is he hasn't been sat or platooned yet. That's the that's the bright side, I'll say, but he's still bottom of the order. Like he hit six today with medals out, which I guess is a bit of a plus, but he's the bottom of the order and it's not going the way it went in the spring training. So are you panicking on Akil Badu? I was panicking on Akil uh, Badu when I saw him in draft rooms. <laughs> you know, I just saw his him coming up in the draft queue, and I was already panicked trying to drop him uh, way down that that draft board. Um, no, I mean, if you drafted Badu, um, I mean, this was kind of what we you potentially signed up for. I mean, he struggled throughout his career against lefties, so the possibility of a platoon, and you may say, oh, well, I don't want him to platoon. I want him to be in there. But if that's going to drop his batting average 50 points over the course of a season, you probably don't want him in there. And then they got better, which we you couldn't have really anticipated. Um, and also, like, but the spring training stuff is just the spring training hitting doesn't matter. I mean, look at Joe Adele. He did hit a home run, but like he struck out his first five times in the big leagues because you look at like the rating system they have of like you know, how good the pitching is that they're facing on a regular basis. It's all like double A, triple A quality pitching, you know? So if guys aren't crushing it, you're, you're more concerned, um, which isn't helpful if you drafted him. I mean, if you drafted him, you just gotta, you gotta stick with it. Hope he gets, hope he gets hot. Um, if there's something better on the waiver wire, use those matchups to try to grind out as much, um, value as you can. But, um, 
mean, I think there were there were concerns heading into the season about him, and we'll see what happens. Things could change dramatically very quickly. Yeah, there were definite concerns already with right when Riley Green was there. Then he got hurt, and I guess it, a little more optimism came in. But then once Meadows showed up, it was it was going to be rough. And when he gets sit, sit down at the bottom of the order, and then the production just hasn't been there. So either hold on and hope he gets it going, or yeah, it's going to get ugly. But uh, make sure it's a good ad. Let's put it that way, because Badu can get hot. Like we've seen the talent, but it's a uh, a little sketchy right now, but I'm with Toby. Tried to limit my exposure before this happened. Let's just put it that way. Liam at Freed Mines asks, any starting pitchers taken early that are showing worrying signs? Bieber, Urias, Alcantara, any others? Any of those early guys that are concerning you right now? Um, Urias would concern me because of the velo dip. That's really what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about any of these guys who kind of struggled. Like... um, you know, like Urias, I'd be concerned about. I'd be concerned a little bit about Bieber. But he bounced you back know. a little bit today. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I haven't seen the velo readings from today. Neither so let me look them up while you're So, talking. I mean, I'm I think curious. that's the key thing is just the velocity. And the thing with Bieber is I think he can be an effective pitcher without velocity because he's always had good command. And then he has, you know, a couple really nice breaking pitches that he can go to. And so he'll always be effective. I think it's also tough to gauge because I think he's gone up against the Royals and the Reds. He's in Great Royals American the... Small Park today. Oh, was it against the Reds? Oh, yeah, he, he, uh, he, he maxed out at 92-2 on the fastball, averaged 91, which was down 1.8 from last year. Yeah, All of his pitches were down his slider, his knuckle curve, and his cutter were all down, even his changeup. Uh, his overall CSW was 25%. Yes. Uh, he had a 30% CSW on the slider, 34 on the fastball but nothing on anything else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd be concerned there as well. I mean, that's what really what you're looking for is like velocity dips, which signify either injury or future struggle. So those are the guys that I would be mostly concerned about um, right now. Um, Over the course of a season, those matchups tend to even out at least just a little bit um, so that, you know, you get a better sense of who the pitchers are. So it'll be interesting to see when he goes up against some tougher, tougher lineups. Cause man, a 91 mile per hour fastball is, is rough stuff. Uh, what about this one? I just want to ask, I know it was his first appearance, 65 pitches, but Zach Wheeler, uh, he had a 32% CSW, but his fastball was down 2.2 from last year. Average 95. He did max out at 97. But his year average was 97.2, but every pitch was down again. I kind of give him the grain of salt because of the late start and the shoulder issue. With the fact he had the shoulder issue, I'm still kind of hesitant. But I'm willing to see it one more time from him. What about you? Because someone actually asked me that in a DM today. Are we concerned with Wheeler? I said, let's slow it down a little bit on him. I mean, it's not ideal. And it's no, about it's the not, same. Not yeah, yeah. And it's about the same that the other guys we're concerned about are down. So I'd be concerned. And I think he only had six whiffs on on those pitches or four whiffs on 65 he pitches or four like total whiffs, three on his slider, four whiffs on 65 one pitches. on his fastball. Yeah. That's not great. And he's not a huge whiffs guy, but it's not what you want to see. So I'll be interested to see how that velo, how that velo changes in his subsequent start. He only went 65 pitches today. He's clearly a little bit behind. So it'll be interesting to see what he is able to put together. Um, but yeah, I'd be concerned. All right. Little Book of Calm asks, would you rather have Tyler McGill rest of season or Jordan Montgomery, Eduardo Rodriguez, or Shane Bieber? Good question. No, oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, the first two easy. I'd rather have Tyler McGill, honestly. 
I'd rather have him than Joe Mon. I'd rather have him than Eduardo Rodriguez. I know you, I wasn't big on, on Erod. We'll see what it ends up happening. I know you're a big fan of his, mm-hmm. um, Jordan Montgomery. I like a lot, but again, like he's never quite put it together and he doesn't have the velo and McGill has the velo and he's got the two breaking pitches and change up, you know, Jumbo might have the innings on him though. That's the only thing I'm curious on. Mm, so, I, so yeah, can, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, because like you look at Jomo last year, I think he threw like I'll double check right now, but I want to say he was like 150 ish, give or take. Mm. So maybe he jumped like 170. What is McGill gonna throw though? That's what I'm gonna look at. So we got Jomo. He was at 157 last year. Um, so that was quite the bump from him from previous seasons. But uh Ty God, he this is where it gets fun for him because last year between uh double A, triple A, and the majors, he had that's 40, 51, 50, 130 innings. So he can maybe get you 150. Yeah. So he may be about 20 behind, but that strikeouts could make up for it easily. So yeah. I mean, he looks really good. I mean, man, the Bieber thing, I think you have to go with Bieber, but yeah, I, was, I was out on Bieber all draft season. The Velo, I don't have any Bieber, but yeah. I mean, if you offered me them straight up, it would be hard. And and the only reason why, like if, if Bieber was on his regular velo, I'd go Bieber easily, but Bieber being down almost two miles per hour when he wasn't like a fastball guy necessarily before, um, is kind of problematic, but I'd still probably go Bieber just because I'd try not to let that recency bias overwhelm me too yeah. much, but it's a tough it's one. A- yeah, Bieber is the argument on Jomo. I'm kind of intrigued on like I am just because I, I believe he goes another level and he's cl- close to a strikeout per inning. So that could be interesting, but it's hard to deny what Miguel's been doing. That's for darn sure. But uh, Toby, we'll wrap things up right there. Week two fab in the books. Uh, any closing thoughts for everybody that uh, maybe stopped panicking so much people? It's early. <laughs> That's like you're going to hear that from me for like the next three to four weeks at least. Like just calm down. <laughs> Stop panicking. Stop, stop celebrating. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, just remember it's super early in the season. It's a really long season. Go back and look at previous years. Who was leading the league, you know, a week into the season and see how many of those guys kept up with it, um, throughout the rest of the the year. I mean, we even think about that shortened season in, in 2020 and how distorted the leaderboard looked um, after that season. And so just remember we're, it's very early days. Most pitchers haven't thrown twice. Um, you know, take it easy. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't do anything rash. Just stick, stick, stick with the plan, stick with the plan that you laid out when you drafted your team. And that's why it's so hard. Like I was saying, talking about the acquisitions from this past week, where it was like, I gave up on some guys I really like, but it, like he had to pull the pen somewhere, and it was tough because, you know, if you're fortunate on a bunch of injuries or some other stuff, it's tough to make moves. But you need to make moves. That's the part. So, like, don't panic move. Like, I get I get messages in the DM about some stuff. I'm like, just, just slow down. You drafted the dude for a reason. It's been six days. Like, calm down. We're gonna be okay here, but uh, we'll see what happens. You know, in a couple of weeks, we can start making. We actually have a good set of data. At least something to look at will be nice. Uh, like this morning, I remember seeing a tweet that Ozzy Albies has no barrels and like a 12% hard contact. Well, he had an RBI double and a home run today. So next thing you know, it's going to look just fine. Like that's that's the beauty of this early. Like Cedric McMullins is so bad. Well, he had a grand slam today. 
So like it's like slow down. It's gonna be okay. Everything's it's gonna be second fine. home run. I think he's hit already. It right? might be. I think it's only his first, but it could be. I don't know. Okay. He's had a, he's had a slow go to the season, but do, do you know what Aussie's home run? What he was batting? Um, was he right-handed by chance? He was right-handed against uh, uh, what's his name? Strange. It wasn't Gordon Strange. Gordon Strange. Okay, I knew it wasn't Corbin. What? Corbin was what, out. What, no, it was uh, shortstop. Oh, D, D Strange Gordon. D Gordon. D Strange Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D yeah. Strange Gordon. Yeah. Did you see the hit by pitch on Travis Darnode? Yeah, that was funny. That, that was, was really amazing. Funny. Like that deserves yeah. kudos right there. That was good stuff. So think about how bummed out Darno is. You know, it's like yeah, how like, often a season do you get up against like a guy? throwing 50 miles per hour, you know? It was like Monday when Brett Phillips was pitching. He's like diving for yeah. balls, but then he gets like, and that was that dive ball was, that was Seth Brown with the bases loaded and he popped it up. Next guy had Sheldon Noise. He puts him into the seats for a grand slam. It's like, yep, yep. That's what Seth Brown was trying to do. Just got under it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a beautiful thing. But um, on that note, we will wrap things up here. Another fun episode in the books. We'll be back with you guys next week with some week three fab and get your listener questions. We will talk, do all the listener questions you have. We'll limit the fab discussion if you got a lot of listener questions. So keep them coming. We are here to get your fantasy seasons rocking and rolling. Make sure you follow Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDN Trick. This is Bubba the BatFlip episode 120. Catch you guys next time. That's going to wrap us up for episode 216 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, an edition number 120 of Bubba and the Batflip. Hope you enjoyed that. Our first in-season fab run, um, sharing our perspective on some players, our own ads and drops, and then some great listener questions there towards the end. Please do keep those listener questions coming. Um, I feel like the more listener questions we get, uh, because all of you are so smart, um, the better our podcast is. So definitely get those in. Um, in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and be kind to one another.